welcome to the Technical SEO Podcast, episode four, I believe. Uh, my name is Adam Gent. And I'm Dan Taylor. And today we're, uh, we're talking with Russ from Moz. Uh, hello, hello, Russ. How you doing? Good. Um, so today we're going to talk about link building and the different methods of how search engines might understand uh, backlinks and how it might help you kind of improve your uh, visibility. I uh, want to get some really deep technical stuff. Um, so yeah, we're just going to just kick off really. Yeah, so um, Russ, uh, for everyone who doesn't know who you are and for those who haven't heard of Moz, um, which might not be many in our industry, um, do you want to just introduce yourself and the company? Sure. Uh, my name is Russ Jones. I'm Principal Search Scientist at Moz, uh, which essentially means that I get to play around with cool stuff all the time as long as I promise not to touch the actual website because uh, that would end up poorly for Moz. Uh, no, I, I get to research a lot of topics related to technical SEO uh, and help make better products for Moz, which is an industry leader in online software as a service for small, medium businesses and agencies who are looking to uh, improve their rankings online. I've uh, been doing it for about two years with Moz, and previous to that, I was at an agency doing search engine optimization like most of you are. Okay, brilliant. So, um, obviously, link, we had a chat fund, link building is a topic that you're passionate about and how um, that all relates to campaigns. Um, obviously, we know that obviously since Penguin went real-time back in 2016, the industry has changed um, quite a bit in how a lot of SEOs handle links. Um, so, really, floor's open to you and how you see that now changing in 2018. Yeah, it's a, it's a good insight. I think that the change from Penguin to a, a real-time uh, algorithm as opposed to something that rolled out infrequently was actually a, a gift to SEOs. Uh, as, as far as we can tell, the vast majority of concerned links, uh, at least the ones that are in that gray area, not in terms of I did something wrong, but in terms of not necessarily high quality, uh, just get ignored. And... That, that's going to free up a lot of cycles for link builders who spend a lot of time trying to identify which links are worth going after and which ones aren't, and uh, scrutinizing what the you know, domain authority or the page authority is of the link. and uh, Those types of metrics just uh, aren't quite as necessary, and you could focus more on opportunities that convert, uh, because the worst-case scenario is that it gets ignored, uh, or at least in most cases. Uh, so... I actually considered the, the algorithmic real-time penguin rollout as a, uh, as a plus, almost as a, a gift to link builders, um, at least for those of us who aren't wantonly violating guidelines. No, definitely. I mean, we still, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're probably the same. We all get um, the link spam emails offering high-quality guest posts at great prices. And despite the fact that Google said they ignore a lot of links, and now they've recently said as well they ignore um, PDF links, they ignore press release links. Um, do you still see that continuing to be the case of the industry still going down that route, or will you eventually see it turning the corner? Yeah, I, I think it's important that people consider the, uh, the, the disavow tool as being a giant machine learning campaign Google by Google to determine what links are not worth keeping and what links are. It's a very good campaign. So, it? whenever you've got 
analyzed, uh, Google would point out the one or two links that they knew most certain were, were against the guidelines. But then you would fill that disavow tool with you know, hundreds if not thousands of examples of things that you had done wrong. And I am certain that those lists were filled with examples from uh, press release, article syndication, uh, forum spam, and to a lesser degree, guest posts. Uh, so essentially we taught Google the footprints, uh, but in a much more complex manner um, on how to identify links that aren't worth keeping. So I, I would suspect as we go on, people will find that the returns are less uh, for certain types of tactics. But I, I, I think that it's always important to uh, consider revisiting the tactics because ultimately SEO is a competition. It's not just you versus Google, it's you versus the other folks in the top 10 trying to compete for rankings. And because of that, every single tactic has to be considered in light of all of the other tactics. So there's always the possibility that while one tactic has fallen out of fashion, that other tactics have actually become more difficult or more easy for Google to ignore. And the one that's fallen out of fashion is actually doing great. Uh, early in my career, this was kind of forced home with, with me when we brought on a new client, a uh, direct TV reseller that basically uh, would you know, make cold calls or take in leads and then sell direct TV to people and install it at their houses. And I, I asked them at the time, how did they get leads? And they said their number one source of leads were good old-fashioned yellow pages, which I'm not sure if y'all have those in the UK, but in the United States, they're just phone books, just giant phone books with ads in them. And they explained that you know, prior to the internet, uh, when this business was running, it was really difficult to make money off of yellow page ads. But now nobody believed that they mattered anymore. No one was purchasing them. So the ad price had dropped you know, exponentially relative to the ad price in Google AdWords or other types of marketing strategies. So they were paying pennies on the dollar for ads in yellow pages that as they like to explain, we get calls from Yellow Pages uh, books that were distributed six years ago because nobody ever throws the one away that they decided to keep. And ultimately, what they proved to me at that point is that uh, it's always worth considering even older strategies, uh, especially when everyone starts saying that they're dead. You know, that SEO is always best when everyone is claiming that SEO is dead uh, because that means you've got competitors who are jumping out of the market which just means you have more opportunity for yourself. So I, I wouldn't throw these techniques by the wayside too early. Uh, I, I would constantly revisit them, especially those that don't, in, by their very nature, violate the Google guidelines. No, I mean, we, yeah, we, to clarify, we do have yellow pages over in the UK, but um, I mean, I know from growing up and over the years, it might be a slightly different change over here because um, I'm looking at them now to confirm. But I remember growing up, they were a good three, four inches thick and had all the local numbers. Yeah, it was the, the ad where you, you, the yeah. girl sat, no, yeah, the, the boy sat and stood on the yellow page and kissed the girl. That was yeah, that was an iconic television ad like over one. here that he used it to get the boost up because she was taller. But now um, we get one routinely probably every year through uh, the mail. Um, it's it's a, a small, one. yeah, a small A5 booklet. Um, if anything, so it's massively reduced over here. But not seen one in years. Yeah, Adam's not seen one in years. So it's an yeah. interesting culture change, but um, it differs potentially in the US to over here. Um, well, I don't intend to say that 
by any means, Yellow Pages market is terrific. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, it's like everybody was digging in a mine for years and it went from, you know, being, uh, you know, at the end of the day, making $10 mining for gold after working your butt off because everybody else was fighting for it, that eventually everybody left the mine. And then you just go back and check and realize, hey, with nobody else here, I can still make $100 a day. And those old gems still exist because the market uh, has collapsed so much, but there's still some return on investment. Now, obviously, over time, that disappears for uh, Yellow Pages and for all, all markets. Uh, you know, once, it, once it's gone, it's gone. But when you're concerned about return on investment, uh, more than being concerned about doing the coolest, newest thing, uh, sometimes you can find those gems. No, definitely. I mean, it's interesting you say about the market collapse and how the market changes. I mean, especially with links, one of the bigger ones that we probably felt more of, and we know um, obviously friends of authors on it, when Huffington Post and other news publishers decided to no follow all the links, and even to a point now um, with Huffington Post closing down community areas, and so then top tier publication links, if you like to call them that, are now becoming restricted to no follow. There's a lot of um, sort of talk going around, but obviously more sites are going that way, as we know. And how, just curious to get your opinion on it really, Russ. How do you feel um, the actual state of league building will go now as more of the um, on the pillar news publications, so to speak, are no following essentially the equity from the links? Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of thoughts on it. Um, uh, the, the first one is just kind of my principled position on no follow. I happen to think that it is abhorrent. I think that uh, it is disingenuous of Google uh, because it is cloaking. Um, the exact definition being to show search engine something different from what you show users. And when you no follow a link, uh, there is nothing on the page that indicates to the user that it's an untrustworthy link but you've made it quite clear to Google that it is. So I, I, I just kind of have a principled position against it. I, I feel that if you're a webmaster and you're not going to control the links on your site, then you shouldn't have links at all. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, more importantly, having looked at link graphs myself, it is not terribly difficult for Google to distinguish between uh, no-followed links that are just carte blanche across the board, blocked, but really ought to be considered more closely uh, versus ones that are selectively no-followed like those in comments or uh, user-generated content. So while I think there's reason to believe that uh, avoiding no-follow links is still better than not, if you had to ask me whether or not I wanted a no-follow link from Wikipedia versus a follow link from uh, you know some no-name blogger with no authority. Uh, I'm going to choose the the Wikipedia link time and time again. Uh, I think the other thing that's probably worth consideration is that Google has the capacity to measure all sorts of things about a link, aside from just whether or not it's followed. Uh, we know that they've published a great deal of research on identifying the likelihood that a link on a page will be clicked. We know that they have a great deal of data related to that from Google Analytics. So they have the capacity to save themselves from the monster they've created, so to speak, 
which is to say, even if all of the best publishers out there started no-following everything, Google could make the decision to uh, ignore them in some cases. Now, I don't think they're going to announce that. I think they're going to tell you which sites uh, they ignore. Um, but at the same time, it would seem silly to me for Google to give up really healthy and important portions of LinkCraft uh, just because some webmasters out there want a lazy way to solve spam. So just to ask the question directly, I guess, um, do you think that nofollow links in certain situations do pass some value? Um, like you just mentioned Wikipedia there. Um, are there situations where you think potentially if that's a really trustworthy and authoritative domain, if you get a link from it and continuously get nofollow links from it, do you think that's a signal to Google or in the link graph or is it something that they're, they're potentially experimenting on? Because I see lots of, yeah, I mean, I know Dan's had a bit of a, a head bashing with, a, with a, another SEO yeah. about, about nofollow links. I don't think that there is a flag at Google that says ignore nofollow for this site versus allow it. However, I am guessing that their algorithm takes into account a large number of signals. And let's imagine one of those signals is the, uh, you know, let's assume that they're getting traffic data, which I, I think it's, it's safe to say that Google is acquiring traffic data. They can at least get it from analytics. Uh, they have the largest number of beacons across the web, which are basically things that call back home. So everything from open, not open capture, recapture to uh, Google Plus icons uh, to uh, AdSense, those are all beacons, telling Google everything that they want to know about how people move across the web. Well, let's say that one of the things that they take into consideration is an estimated number of or percentage of visitors to a page who click on a particular link. And so they've got a completely different metric that doesn't really or isn't really treated like link value, but it's just different, but still at the same time wouldn't exist if it weren't for that link being on the page. And so, yeah, I'm guessing that they have uh, algorithms that are just moved beyond the link as just a source of page rank, so to speak. And if that's the case, then, uh, yeah, I think I, we have every reason to believe that um, there are ways to get value out of no-column links. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, the head bashing that Adam was just alluding to was a... Um, it was a, a well, I think a well... Um, you got blocked on Twitter about it. Yeah, I got blocked on Twitter about the guy who published it on a competitor platform to Moz. Um, but he got one no-follow sidebar link and he changed his um, search metrics graph dramatically and didn't take into account the title type change. He had the content and everything else. Anyway, he blocked me on yeah. Twitter. He didn't have the response. So... <laughs> Um, really just in summary then, um, so we've had quite a lot of great insight and especially for, there's a few quotes, I mean one, what I try to do is I try to take a quote from each podcast, that's going to be sort of a headline, there's a number which I can take from this but I think no follow links to a warrant might be the standout. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sort of in closing really Russ, um, for any um, sort of SEOs and off-site SEOs listening to this, what would be your number one sort of takeaway and go-to to try and still build links and still gain the quality signals of the link graph? That'd be Fiverr this year. I'd go to Fiverr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are a lot of them, but the, the one that I, I harp on the most 
last year, I, I gave a talk before MozCon, a training session on link building. And I, in the training session, I poured out uh, strategies that I've been using for years, including ones that I'm using currently right now to promote my own sites. And I, I just opened it up and with the statement that I'm not worried about sharing this with you because I know nine out of 10 of you, probably even more, just aren't going to do it. And the reality is that most of success in link building is sitting down and doing it. Your competitors are not going to have the wherewithal, the fortitude to slog through sending hundreds of emails over and over and over again, doing outreach, uh, putting in the legwork, writing good content, et cetera, to actually place the links. And you know what? You're not going to get that huge return in one month or two months. But at 10 months or at 12 months, you've now put a couple of links between you and your competitor. And then the next year, you've put more. And the next year, you've put more. And eventually, you're going to put yourself into a position where your competitors are going to start trying to cheat, to catch back up. Some of them are going to get caught. They're going to get knocked back down. But you're going to keep moving forward. So at the end of the day, the most important part about link building is just fortitude, just having the strength of mind to keep going uh, and slogging through it. So, you know, at the end of 2018, you should be counting the number of hours that you've spent link building more than the number of links that you've acquired. The links will come, but if, if you're just looking for that number at the end of the day, you're going to give up really soon because you're just not going to get, uh, get the results as quickly as you like. And one of your competitors is going to slog through it and they're going to end up winning. Brilliant, great sound advice. Um, well, all they left for us to really do is um, say thank you, Russ, for, um, for giving up your time and being on our podcast. I do have one last question. Adam has one last question. <laughs> I have one last question because it's always a hot topic on, on these on these episodes, but I only have to ask it from any of our guests. So it's not related to link building, but do you think the meta keywords tag is still <laughs> is still is still in use? Um, because we seem to get asked it quite a lot, don't we? From from anyone who doesn't know SEO, yeah. um, and, and does the meta keywords tag still? I'll have tell you what the meta keywords tag is really really valuable for. It's really good for projecting to your competitors exactly what keywords you think are useful. Uh, and also letting your competitors know that you're easy target. So uh, I, I, would, I would get rid of it for those reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably not going to work out well for you. Cool. So you don't like my keywords tag? That's good. Yeah, that's another box That's in the box. Cool. Tick box. Cool. Great. Um, well, again, thank, I'll try close off again. Thank you for your time, <laughs> Russ. Yes, thank you, Russ. No, brilliant. And this has been um, episode four, episode four of the um, Technical SEO podcast. And thank you for listening. <laughs>